0: Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20-minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call, and we can take it from there. Hello and welcome to episode 280. And I have some news. It's been coming a while, but now it's actually happening. I had a back clock of guests queued up, ready to release. And now the pace of release is as of the 1st of June 2022, dropping down to just one episode a week each Wednesday. However, you will get a focus on why Reflections with Actions episode like this one after the fifth episode in that series in the same week, but on a Friday. Okay, admin announcement over. Let's get cracking with today's reflections with actions. And if you are new to these episodes, welcome. Please allow me to explain very briefly what they're about. Essentially, when I interview my guests, I often don't get to say much. This is okay. It's purposeful. It's so I can allow my guests to fully explore and share their purpose in these episodes. So my separate Reflections episodes, like this one, give me the wonderful opportunity to delve into some of the topics that we touched on in more detail. They become my Reflections with Actions because, as you know, knowledge is of no use unless it is applied knowledge. So the first of today's Reflections goes back to episode 275, Demystifying Mental Toughness with David Charlton. David and I both started our current podcast at the same time back in 2020. In fact, I even helped him by giving him some feedback or feed forward, as I like to call it, on his podcast artwork before he launched. It seems many moons ago. And in fact, it was just over two years. As you know, so much has happened in that time frame. So to David, it was a major life event. In fact, it was the death of his wife, which became a catalyst for a stick-or-twist courageous decision that he made to pursue a new career path. And now he supports athletes from the talented youngster all the way up to the professional international level athlete to improve their performance through developing their mental toughness to help them to move forward. He is a sports psychologist and David demystifies mental toughness showing how to control the controllables. As I said, David's Why came about as a direct result of a massive experience of pain, as so often people's purposes do. In fact, I would say that it is these pivotal moments which define the arrival of a purpose-driven life for many of my guests on the show to date, particularly those whose purpose is of greatest clarity and focus. From pain comes purpose. Now, I'm not wishing pain upon anyone to find their purpose in life. That is not what I'm advocating at all. It can be your starting point, though. If you find something in life that angers you or causes you great pain, what will you do about it? And instead of saying someone ought to change that or someone ought to do something, what could you do to affect that change? The reflection I'd like to share from David's episode is one of balance. David referenced balance in different contexts in relation to mental toughness. Firstly, around sport and his own pursuit of playing golf. Particularly, how he put too much pressure on himself when he was younger and that now he plays less, he performs better and enjoys it more. He has achieved a better balance. He then refers to balance between the three elements of self-determination theory, which are autonomy, competence and relatedness, or sometimes referred to as connection. Three basic psychological needs that you need as a human in your growth and development, underpinning your motivation and personality. It is the why behind what moves you to act and behave the way you do. It's what gives you the ability to make choices, the level of control you have and the level of fulfillment you can achieve. It is focused on the intrinsic motivation which encourages you to gain more knowledge, to grow and to levels of mastery. This is a competence element, the need for you to feel in control, to control the controllables, as David said, and to be autonomous. The need to feel a sense of connection and belongingness with others is the last part. Are these three areas in balance in your life right now? Which might you be neglecting or focusing on more than the others? Then David speaks of balance between work and life, and we discussed how the boundaries can get blurred for many reasons, both positively and negatively. Now, I work from home and I love my work. My boundaries do get blurred and that's okay. I've purposely designed my life to be such, to have the freedom and flexibility to travel whenever I want, to work whenever I want, from wherever I want. And this is a dream that I had 10, 15, 20 years ago now, and yet I couldn't see how to make it happen. However, times changed, my skill sets have evolved, technology has advanced, and now I have a lifestyle which balances my life and work in a way that I don't feel I have to make any compromises. How about you? Have you defined your boundaries? Have you defined your work-life balance? Do you feel that it may be out of sorts or off kilter at all? Another area of balance David references is that of his role as a parent and encouragement of his kids to get involved in sport and after school activities. He talked about how he sees other parents who enroll their kids into activities every night of the week, but he wants them to explore different things and ensure that they have fun and are not overstimulated. I remember when my kids were little that as a parent, you can get caught up in the craziness of signing your kids up for everything, thinking that they might be the next star of that particular activity and you're doing them a disservice if they don't get started at a young age. I had to take a step back and adopt the less is more approach and just allow them more free time to choose what they really wanted to do. And it's worked out absolutely fine now with them. And the final balance that David spoke of was around the balance of goal setting of having extrinsic and intrinsic goals, or as he calls them, process goals. What does the word balance mean to you? What elements do you feel are important for you to balance? I often use the Wheel of Life exercise with my coaching clients. It's a really simple yet effective tool as it provides a great snapshot of where your energy is being directed where you may need to make adjustments to ensure your wheel turns more smoothly with less resistance. If you had to select eight areas of your life that make up who you are right now and the different roles you play, different areas of passion or focus, what would they be? How much time, energy and focus do you currently invest in each area? Could you make some instant adjustments to strike a better balance for you between them all? Take some time to reflect and note down what actions you need to take to make the changes to your current daily activities. Have you heard of the 1% factor that Sir Dave Brailsford introduced to achieve marginal gains for the British cycling team? I highly recommend that you check out how he mastered peak performance, focusing on the minutiae and when compounded, make significant advancements. What 1% tweaks could you make and in which areas of your life? Next up is episode 276, Social Impact Investment with Will Mallard. Will and I were introduced by our wonderful mutual friend, Helen Chorley, who I'm still chasing to come onto this show to record her own episode. I will get her on eventually. Will and I have now recorded four podcast episodes together to date, with more in the pipeline, I'm sure. Three so far for his podcast, My Property World, and one for Focus on Why. The recent episode I recorded for Will's podcast, My Property World, was about lifestyle choices and how property has afforded the lifestyle that I am pursuing right now. Social impact investment is Will's idea of lifestyle choice, and it's the foundation of his why. Witnessing unbelievable hardships on a rugby tour in South Africa at the age of 19 shaped the rest of Will's life and his focus on why. With a passion for helping people feel secure through social impact investment, Will focuses on solving the problems of social housing in the UK today, whilst providing needs-based investment opportunities for now and for the future. And going back to how a pain can be the fuel for your purpose, Will's why illustrates my point beautifully. It's not a pain that he experienced himself, but it is a pain of the world that matters to him enough for him to focus all his time, energy and money into finding solutions. It is a cause from which his heart and mind are centered wholly on and which he receives great levels of fulfillment. And looking at the self-determination theory model, it allows him to achieve autonomy, connection and competence. Will is not spending time in the pursuit of happiness. He said it's not necessarily about happiness. People often talk about having a happy, easy life. I don't want that, he said. I want a fulfilled, engaged life where I'm connecting with people. One element I noticed is that Will has clear boundaries on what he can do and what he ensures other people step up and help him to achieve. He's not alone in his work. He mentioned that there are often up to 64 different stakeholders involved in the work he does. That requires huge levels of coordination and Will makes it happen. He partners up with others to ensure that together they make a difference and get things done. If it doesn't sit under Will's remit, he seeks help elsewhere. He uses his podcast, My Property World, to spread his word, to share his why and to attract all the different parties he needs. How do you spread your word? Share your why to attract all the people you need to make things happen. Whatever you're trying to achieve in life, it's likely that you will go faster and better if you collaborate with the right people, if you recognize your areas of expertise, know your limitations and involve others in your cause. Has there been an event that has moved you to the core, just as for Will was seeing those unbelievable hardships in South Africa? These are the moments when you have a choice. You can either ignore them or seek to make a difference, make that impact, make a social impact, deploying your skills and seeing just how transferable they are to an area that will help others. Deep, sustainable contentment and continual fulfilment is achieved in the process. And as Will said, if you don't feel better helping someone, you're not human. Will has adopted several filters in order to make and to justify his actions and his decisions. One is his mum filter, and it's simple. He asks, What if it was my mum? Another is, How can I work with what I have in front of me? Will said, I can help other people, and that's really important to me. If you're looking for a why, it's actually about how can I make other people feel? One more filter for Will is, How can I make other people feel secure? And a final filter to leave my Reflections of Will's episode on was hidden amongst a story he shared from being a kid and preparing for a judo tournament. It's a carpe diem filter about getting started and the right people and tools will present themselves along the way. If you wait for everything to all be lined up, you'll never start. Will doesn't seek perfection. He simply takes action. Next up is episode 277, Students Against Sexism, with Camille Saunders, Kelvina Milaj and Harini Ayer. Experiencing misogyny and underrepresentation from an academic perspective, three students initially came together to combat sexism and empower those with marginalised voices. Now with a mission to achieve gender equality as intersectional feminists, Camille, Kelvina and Harini are raising awareness, ensuring that women's voices are represented on a global scale. Starting in their hometown through the News London blog and news podcast, they are now expanding and representing women on an international level. With Solidarity of Feminism, Camille, Kelvina and Harini are Students Against Sexism. What do you do when you experience an injustice, sexism, misogyny or feel marginalised? Do you ignore it or do you stand up for what you believe is right? Last summer, my daughter and her friends got together at our home for a final goodbye before they all disappeared into various directions to pursue their different university journeys. Passing through the kitchen, I was asked to stop and share what I was doing with my purpose-driven work and podcast. It was in this conversation that a seed was planted as just a few weeks later, I got a request from help from three of Holly's friends to launch a podcast. Yes, you've guessed it. Camille, Colvina and Harini are friends of my daughter. In response to their negative experiences at their school, two years ago, these three sixth form students came together in solidarity to set up their blog with a view to printing off an annual magazine where young people could write articles about their experiences of misogyny and feminism in the academic community. They also set up an Instagram page, but quickly became caught up in their A-levels, making it hard to find time to create content. Knowing how important their message was and that people needed to hear what they had to say, they rekindled the project at university, even though they were spread across the country, miles apart from one another at different universities. They had the idea of starting up the student podcast about sexism. However, they had very little idea of where to start, how to create a podcast or how to distribute it. They reached out to me and this is how the news podcast was launched. Don't give up. Stay true to yourself and to your cause, regardless of what everyone around you is saying. Don't be scared. Step up, use your voice. And then once you've used your voice, just shout louder. Don't stop making noise because that's what we need in the world. The words of Camille, Calvina and Harini. Turning their negative experiences into positive ones, they shared their insights, stories and thoughts around feminism, bringing relevant conversations to the fore. They support one another and they support all the women in the world who need their solidarity right now. Their purpose is united through their mission and will continue seeking to achieve gender equality through their focus on solidarity. I think that's one of the beautiful things about feminism as a movement is that sisterhood never dies. We just wanted to make sure that everyone can have the same positive experiences of feminism that we've had. Camille. They recognize that they cannot go it alone, that they need to have the solidarity of the community to make a difference. The individual voice becomes more powerful when it is a shared voice. What feeling of unity do you have with others on a topic that you believe strongly in? How could you demonstrate your solidarity today? I can't describe how thrilled I was to help three of Holly's friends to share their message on Focus on Why and to help them set up their own podcast news to broadcast their message on a global stage, a platform they're using and expanding for other voices to be heard. Our future is in very safe hands with these three at the helm. They will steer society through to gender equality. Camille said that she is curious to see how her generation turns out. And so am I. The initial painful experiences that these three faced have been turned into purpose-driven focus. Their pain is at the center of their purpose, vision, and mission, which is going to be a lifelong mission. Through Focus a Why, I have a mission, a mission to shine the light on purpose to create positive global ripple effects, to create a better world and create meaningful social impact. This for me too is a lifelong project, a project that involves so many other voices, voices that are currently being heard across 113 countries right now, and the audience continues to grow. Next up is episode 278, Fail Forward with Henry Gibbon. Fail Forward is actually the title of Henry's own podcast, which I also helped him to launch in April 2022. Another client success from my Focus on Why launch pod program. Henry hit number three in the British entrepreneurship charts on his launch day, and he's had thousands of downloads on his podcast and on his YouTube channel too. Henry and I had a conversation in a Zoom breakout room last December, and I instantly recognized the potential of his message and encouraged him to share his message via the podcasting platform. Less than four months later, through the Focus on Why LaunchPod program, Henry launched to great success. His message is now being received across the world. If you would like to get your message out to your audience via the podcasting platform, book a call with me today. The link is in the show notes. Having failed his GCSEs and being told he was nobody, Henry defied all the odds to run a successful tree surgery business. Then, after he'd built up the company to 47 staff, his business went under and he lost his family home in the process. Learning from his mistakes and rebuilding from rock bottom using his four foundational pillars of business, which are numbers, systemization, sales and marketing, and culture, Henry is now on a mission to help others to avoid the same mistakes, and if they do fail, to fail forward. When I heard Henry speak his story and share his why on that Zoom call last year, his passion shone so brightly despite all the anguish that he had faced. The pain was evident. It was raw. However, it had become his driver to ensure that no one else has to feel that level of pain. The pain was a catalyst and the encouragement to fell forward from that point on came from the nurturing words of Matthew Syed's book, Black Box Thinking. Have you read it? Wow, what a brilliant book. Opening with a very heavy hitting story, I was completely gripped with the contents all the way through using different industries to share how failure and success are viewed and adopted into practice. Ultimately, it centers on the critical importance of a growth mindset in life and business. It shows you just how it's okay to fail as long as you learn from it and share it. That is, in essence, Henry's philosophy with what he's achieving with his podcast Fail Forward. If at first you don't succeed, what is success? Success is evocative, it's personal to the individual, it is a general term and it encapsulates so much for so many. In its dictionary definition, success is simply the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. However, success can be found in many different forms along a scale. Small wins such as meeting a work deadline or winning a new client to substantial wins such as getting a man to the moon or receiving the Nobel Peace Prize for international diplomacy or human rights advocacy. Failure is the only opportunity to begin again more intelligently, Henry Ford. What is failure? Well, the dictionary definition cites failure as lack of success. Why is failing perceived as undesirable? Why are we so fearful of failing? What is a big issue in making mistakes? After all, It's how we learn. It's how we improve and adapt. As children, we teach ourselves to walk. We fall down over and over and over and over, but we get back up again. So why does falling down become an issue when we get older? Nelson Mandela stressed that to fail and fall were both requirements needed before success would arise and that true success is attributed to the qualities of resilience and persistence from coming back from the fall, not purely to achieving success. He said, do not judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. Early on in my life, success came to me in different forms of gaining good examination results, passing my driving test or through my sporting achievements. Rowing was my chosen sport and my passion from failure to success. Age 14, I capsized in the final of the National Rowing Championships and the following year, age 15, I returned and I won it. Pursuing my love for rowing, I chose a university with a decent rowing history. James Cracknell, OBE, had just graduated from Reading University as I arrived. His future was still not to be known. On the 7th of April 2019, the boat race between Oxford and Cambridge took place and history was made when James Cracknell, OBE, became the oldest member of a crew to compete at 46 years old. Watching the boat race took me right back to my time on the river and I got those familiar goosebumps tingling all over my body, butterflies in my stomach and hair standing on end. I remembered how it felt waiting at the starting line with my heart pumping so hard I could feel it against my ribs, gritting my teeth, grimacing as I took every stroke, edging ahead as the momentum of the boat carved through the water. The steady rhythm up the slide between each stroke, blood pounding in my head, The sensation of knowing that I'm nudging into the lead, putting everything I've got into every stroke, just staying clean in the water, focusing on what is needed to get over that line in front, then nothing else matters. Watching Cambridge cross the line, I remembered what it meant to punch the air in celebration to slap the back of my teammates as jelly legs sat in and the need to plunge my wrist deep into the water to cool me down. Every part of my body hurt. I couldn't get enough breath into my lungs, but at the same time, my dream had come true as I lay bent double over the oar. I remember what it meant to be a winner, but also what it meant to fail. When interviewed by Sir Matthew Pinsent after his boat race win, James Cracknell said he'd really missed being in the boat. He said that just being selected for the crew had been his greatest achievement in life because of his experience and age. So what defines a winner? Here is a double Olympic gold medalist who had just become a boat race winner at the age of 46, having overcome a truly horrendous accident back in 2010. Whilst attempting to cycle, row, run and swim from Los Angeles to New York in 18 days, Cracknell was hit by a petrol tanker in Arizona. He had been wearing a cycle helmet, which he attributed his survival to as the accident left him with a brain injury to the frontal lobes. He now suffers from epilepsy and an altered personality. For me, James Cracknell is a winner, but perhaps the true winners that got him over the line were resilience, perseverance and passion, a clear focus on why. Winning a boat race takes great courage. It demonstrates commitment, motivation, perseverance and a perfection of technique and a clear focus on why. I remember watching Cracknell race in Athens 2004 and before that in Sydney 2000. Waking up to watch that race and screaming at the television with excitement, it was phenomenal. A fifth gold medal for Steve Redgrave, the most successful male rower in Olympic history. Another true winner in my eyes. He's always been my sporting hero. Redgrave is the epitome of showing just what it takes to win as part of a team. How to overcome obstacles such as living with colitis and diabetes, injecting himself six times a day to keep insulin at bay and yet still compete at the highest level. The path is not always easy, but it is there to tread and the key is to keep going no matter what. Those who don't quit reach their goals. A quitter never wins and a winner never quits. Napoleon Hill Staying with the rowing theme, the book Will It Make the Boat Go Faster?, Olympic winning strategies for everyday success by Harriet Beveridge and Ben Hunt-Davis discusses the importance behind the simplicity of the question, will it make the boat go faster? It seeks to focus your attention on the processes that achieve the result. In order to be successful, you have to focus on the process and the results will take care of themselves. It's not about the final race. It's about all the years and years of training that take place beforehand. The will it make the boat go faster question struck a chord with me as a rower. Identified with the key driver behind the question, the importance of getting emotional about how much you desire your goal. If you want to win, you need to forget about winning. In order to win, you have to risk losing. Ben Hunt Davis Give yourself the will it make the boat go faster question and apply it to your goal, to your why. What is your specific question? What risks do you need to take to achieve that success in your life? Understanding how to take intelligent risks when pursuing success, recognising that failure is a necessary part of the process, that fear is not prohibitive and allowing the goal to be your guide will inevitably take you forward. Rob Moore, who I interviewed in episode 20, says, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. I'm a midlife beginner, a phrase used to describe someone in their 40s reinventing themselves and creating a new lifestyle and taking control. I'm currently building several businesses, and for my passions for teaching, coaching and podcasting, they're driving me towards success on a daily basis. But I make mistakes also. I'm failing every day. But I'm learning from those challenges that I face, and I'm using the visualization technique that I know where I am going. The person who never made a mistake never tried anything new. Albert Einstein. Make mistakes. It's acceptable to fail, to fall down, but what is important is that you get up and keep trying. You teach your brain that failing is learning and is part of the process needed to succeed. In memory of the incredible Tony Bazan, inventor of mind maps, who died back in April 2019, I make reference to his TEFCAST success formula, which is all about programming the brain to become a success mechanism. Teaching the brain that you learn with every try. If at first you don't succeed, try, try and try again. Tony Bazan. He didn't coin this phrase, but he did use it to explain his TEFCAST model. TEFCAST stands for trial, event, feedback, check, adjust and success. The brain's aim is to achieve the goal and the persistence of trying and adjusting from the feedback you receive will lead you to success. You are a winner simply by not giving up. As Muhammad Ali said, don't quit, suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Many people are wanting to make changes to reach success and are willing to make the changes necessary to achieve them. But very few people actually make these changes. They resist them. Who Move My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson highlights this indecision, the resistance to change and shows us how to achieve success and happiness through his simple and effective fable. He describes the importance of embracing change and being able to adapt quickly. Today's world is rapidly changing and we're required to work outside of our comfort zones more often than not. The cheese keeps moving. We have to move with the cheese. We have to move out of our comfort zones, stretch ourselves, challenge ourselves to make our lives extraordinary. Why not row the boat race aged 46? People don't like being uncomfortable or being stressed. However, understanding that pressure and living with pressure is an important part of winning. Working under pressure is key and stands as a mantra for Sir Clive Woodward, where he advocates that you need to think correctly under pressure. Teacup. In a rugby match, there are moments of split-second decisions that will win or lose a game. Remember the 2003 World Cup game where Johnny Wilkinson, CBE, kicked the drop goal to win 2017 in the final seconds? There go the goosebumps. Woodward says that his three favourite words are, What? What? why and how, as he believes that you should be questioning everything you're doing at all times. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? How are you doing it? How could you achieve success? One of the quickest routes to success is to find somebody who's already achieved what you desire and emulate them. Ask them for advice and aspire to adopt the habits that they have. Jim Rowan would say, If you really want something, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. I follow Rowan's advice, particularly one of his findings, that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The theory behind the law of averages proposes that the result of any given situation will be the average of all outcomes, such that we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with in terms of our wealth, health, lifestyle, personal development, values and philosophy. Oprah Winfrey said, surround yourself only with people who are going to lift you higher. As a result, I choose my close circle wisely, spending time and surrounding myself with positive, like minded, supportive people who will encourage me to reach my goals. That's why networking meetings are so productive, because people who attend them have made the effort to meet others, to share their knowledge and their time and take action to further themselves. Surround yourself with people in all areas of life who will spare you on to achieve your goals, who will encourage you, challenge you, support you in the ups and downs of life to help you to focus on your why. Remember where you are and who you are today is a result of who you were and where you came from yesterday, who you choose to be and where you choose to go depends on you right now in this moment. So never stop learning. Pick yourself up when you fall. Share your knowledge. Have fun. Be creative. Apply deliberate practice that is specifically focused towards achieving the results you desire. Have your will it make the boat go faster question ready. Check your progress. Give yourself feedback. Adapt to move forward. Use Tony Bazan's Tefcast system. Try, try and try again. If you truly desire it, you will achieve it. The focus is not just on the winning, it is on achieving the best you can possibly achieve and who you become as part of the process in doing so. My final reflection today is episode 279, Stuff They Should Have Taught You in School by Monsui Tech. Frustrated with the restrictive curriculum at school, Monsui started learning about time management, organisation and personal development outside of school. With an optimistic mindset, Monsui crafted his new trajectory in life, which was very different from his peers. Attending property network events from the age of 17, a whole new world opened up for him and he soon started to identify all the stuff that they should have taught him in school. Where do I start with this topic? I think this could be an entire podcast series. Oh wait, Monsui is actually already doing that in his own podcast called Stuff They Should Have Taught You In School. In fact, he was approaching his 100th episode recently and he suggested that I interviewed him for Focus on Why and that he used that episode for his special episode too. Good use of time leverage, so I was fully up for it. It was a great discussion and we've covered much ground. What do you believe should be taught in school? I think that personal development, confidence, neuroscience, financial literacy, purpose, all would be great places to start. Okay, I appreciate that not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur in life, however, at least have a sound understanding of something from each of these areas. In terms of personal development, knowing about how a growth mindset will serve you much better than a fixed one, how the learnings of Carol Dweck, Angela Duckworth, Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, James Clear, Brene Brown, Dr. John Demartini, to name just a few, would shape a very different mindset for the future. In terms of confidence, who wouldn't benefit from being shown how to adopt the principle of I am enough as a way of living? To be granted freedom to create more, to know that you have the opportunity to be who you want to be and that your past does not have to define your future. Who wouldn't benefit from hearing the lessons and wisdom from psychologists and neuroscientists? How different life would be if children learned about assets and liabilities at school. It would stand them in good stead and help them to plan for the future. We're now living longer and the job for life and retirement plan is no longer serving us. You've likely heard of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but have you heard of Rich Woman? Written in 2006 by Kim Kiyosaki, it was one of the first books I read once I'd made my decision to invest in property. And as a result of reading it, I made a commitment to myself to empower as many women as I could along my journey. This is one of the reasons I set up a Women in Property Mastermind back in January 2017, and it's still going strong today. I needed to become more financially literate. I'd outsourced all financial thinking to my husband, which is okay to a point. But it meant that I was really naive in understanding business, investment and finance, and I needed to rectify this. Today, more than ever, women can no longer depend on someone else, be it a husband, a partner, parents, a boss, or even a government to take care of them financially. What was true for their mothers and their grandmothers is not applicable to them today. In Kim's opinion, and I strongly agree, women must learn to invest to ensure a secure life for themselves and for their children. The rules of life have changed and it's time that we all take control of our financial futures. Three years ago, my then 16-year-old daughter spoke to her peers about financial literacy and why it should be taught in schools. It was one of the proudest moments of my life to know that I have become one of her role models as a rich woman, in inverted commas, having shown her the importance of being financially independent as a woman. And finally, what about purpose? What would bringing a bit of Viktor Frankl, Friedrich Nietzsche, Simon Sinek, Oprah Winfrey and Amy Rowlandson, have you heard of her, into school? How would understanding about your values, fulfillment, your strengths, your gifts, and your reason for being make an impact at that age? The ripple effects of all these elements would be incredible. I don't do regrets, but what if they would taught all this stuff in school? What would I have done in life if I had been exposed to all the knowledge that I've only accumulated since the age of 40 sooner in my life? Even just that 1% that I spoke of earlier, the Sir Dave Brailsford, would have altered my course significantly. So I'll leave today's Reflections with Actions with a curiosity of wanting to hear what it is that you believe is the stuff that they should have taught you in school and why. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your Reflections with Actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.